Hello, welcome to the Mantale podcast. This is a bit of a special one, this. This is a theatre production monologue written by our very own Chris O'Connor. And it's a special one because we've not done this before, but it's a theatre production that we are putting straight onto the Mantale podcast. It's 30 minutes long and it features a 15 to 20 minute chat between me, Chris and Tom Swift, who has performed excellently well on a microphone for us here today. So it's a Red Ladder production, I must say, who specialise in taking theatre to places to make it more accessible. So it's also making this type of play more accessible to people. It features themes of mental health and suicide also. And the play actually does feature a panel discussion with mental health experts and, and professionals and, and obviously Chris himself and the actor. I've also been on one too. And I've been there before to see it and it is quite incredible. It is quite incredible how it's written, how much we will relate to it as guys and also as females listening. There's the updated version, which is the part in glass, which is actually incredible. It takes it up another level. So this is a bit of a teaser really for the next dates in the midst of when this will be released. So have a look at Red Ladder uh, online and look at the dates. We do mention them after the theatre production. While we're here, I do want to talk about Matt Morris. I want to give you a shout out, pal, for Morris Infrastructure. He is a legend supporter on mentality.com forward slash patron. That is a program where you can go on and support us, support what we're doing, look at our plans, what we're doing. And one of those plans is uh, Mentality Apparel. And, and thank you, Matty Morris over there in Perth uh, for, for supporting it and, and making the podcast happen, bringing the life and soul in this specific episode to people's ears. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to your business pal, Morris Infrastructure. I know that you're going into bigger and better things now and and doing lots and lots of work over there and locally. You're a legend and thank you for the support. On the on the mentality apparel side of things, just a quick shout to say that there will be two collections that we're launching with very, very soon. One is Change Your Mind Collection. That's up for grabs for, for what it means to you and how you feel it could mean to you. But for me, it's the question of if you change your mind and how you you're acting the world or how you operate in the world uh, which we're big on and, and trying to give people the tools for that you know whether you're grateful whether you're acting from your value system whether you're acting truthfully to who you think you are uh, Cultivate Collection that derives from uh, my Nana's artwork uh, collection that has a big big um, play in my life really so I want to share that with people share her story and how that intertwines with my story too so please keep your eyes peeled for that be releasing them in November time I think pre-orders will be before that so keep tuned for that and do enjoy this this production this fear production if you're a bit sceptical trust me I've been several several times been involved in panel discussions after it and it moves quite a lot of people it's entertaining it's got themes of suicide and mental health through it but also a lot of laughs on the way do give it a go and stick around for after it where we'll chat a little bit about it with the writer Chris O'Connor and Tom Swift. Enjoy. Alright, don't mind me, just dropping in. How we doing? I'd seen you in here before. And I'd be one to know. Been coming here long enough. You don't really get pubs like this anymore, do you? They're dying out. Most others around here are gone now. It's sad really. Everywhere's full of those fucking poncy places full of craft beer or ale or whatever it is. It's craft shite if you ask me. Emperor's new clothes, most of it. 
In fact, this probably won't call that. <laughs> probably about a fiver for half a pint and all. But laughing all the way to the bank. Isn't for me. I like lager. Normal lager. No frills. You know where you are with lager? Maybe a strong bow if it's particularly sunny out. Or if I'm feeling like playing up to my roots, it'd be a Guinness. But that's it. Simple. There's just something more... I don't know. Just something more real about these sorts of pubs, aren't there? The drinks are more real. The chairs. The tables. It's all more real. The people, more real. I grew up just down the road from here, see? Dad used to bring us in here when I was about six. Tell Mar I took you to the park, right? Right, Dad. Here's a Coke and some crisp. Amuse yourself, will you? We what? It's boring in here. Only boring people get bored. Now go on. <laughs> ah, Dad, what a character. Always the centre of attention, he were. Cracking jokes, telling stories. Took after him, they all said. Just like my dad, me. Here's one for you, right? Two dyslexics. It's all right. Don't worry, I'm dyslexic myself, so I can say it. Right, two dyslexics in a room. One says to other. Can you smell gas? Other says. Smell gas? I can't even smell my own name. <laughs> Just like dad. Well, yeah. Been coming in here since then, really. I'm a first pint when I was 12. Did we decorating job and that toilet through there, though, straight after... Didn't put me off though. And from 15, I'd be in here every Friday and Saturday. Be about £1.40 a pint then. Can you believe that? <laughs> We'd grown up round here, see. All of us within about 20 minutes at place. All second generation Irish coming to Murphy's to cling on to his roots. Well, we were all Collins, Rileys, O'Briens, McGurs. But we're all Leeds, weren't we? But so were his pub, see. It were Leeds, but it were Irish. Just like us. <laughs> I'm my first kiss here. Yeah, this was our place, you know. We had some great times in here. It used to be about 10 or 12 of us in those days, every weekend. Most carefree moments of my life, those. Not that I knew a time, mind. Yeah, our base, you know, me and my mates, our pub. Just always sort of felt relaxed there, you know. Like if we're having a tough day or if I'd had an argument with my mum or whatever, I could just come here, see, grab a pint and, and problem wouldn't exist in here. We'd go away for a bit. I always knew a few people in here saying, well, I could just forget things. I think that's what most of us do in here, really. Forget things. Only other place that had the same effect on me would be at football. Ellen Road, home of Leeds United. <laughs> God, I don't know what I did in a previous life to be a Leeds fan, but <laughs> I'll tell you what, they were not quite like a match day. That buzz you'd get right from waking up. I'd be up out, showered the lot in about ten minutes. Half a slice of toast hanging out of me gaff as I ran down the road to the pub. We'd get on beers from about 11 and then we'd head to Bucky's for about two. Mates would have bets on first goal score or Leeds to win or on a Desmond. 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> Small fry bets. Not me. I'd always go for fucking game changer. If it weren't winning me at least three figures, I weren't interested. What about a bit of fun for them? Not me. What about hope? Hope that things could be different, you know? That, that you get a break and it just sort you out. I wouldn't just shy two grand ones. Pissed all the wall, that. Huh? <laughs> Next time I use it wisely. It would always next time. But once you got in ground though, fucking hell, you just couldn't beat it. Soaking up atmosphere and catching that first glimpse at pitches when it few feelings in life which never gets old. Quick match day selfie. Come on, Leeds! <laughs> Hashtag all Leeds, aren't we? Hashtag marching on together. Whoa. Every day we're all gonna say we love you, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds. Everywhere. 
We're gonna be there, we love you, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds. Marching all together. We're gonna see you win. Na 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 na. We are so proud. We shout it out loud. We love you, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds. <laughs> go on, Max. Go on, so give it. Ooh, lucky Max. Ref, ref, have you not seen that fucking early with GBH, man? <sighs> Shit. Shit. Ooh, great save. Go on, son. Put it in mixer. Go on, Luciano. Yes, fucking get in! We all love Leeds. We all love Leeds. We all love Leeds. We all love Leeds. Oh, no. No, close him. Close him. No. I can't give that Raven a fucking touched him. Cheat. 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 Oh, fuck. I'll go on, miss it. Miss it. Fuck. Leeds United. What a great preparation for life, eh? It's a bit weird when you think about it, innit? All of us singing together, shouting, screaming, laughing. Even tears from some of lads. We never show any emotion outside at ground, but in there we'd be going through every emotion you could think of. And all for a football team. All for 11 lads trying to kick a ball into a net. I can understand why people don't get it, because I can't really describe why it matters. But it does. It fucking does. <laughs> Most of the lads stopped going to footy anyway as they got older. Got jobs away from here and moved on and settled down. We'll still chat about Leeds though. Only thing we ever did chat about really. Still getting to debates about it on Facebook, you know. Free morning arguing about academy system or financial fair play or something. I think there's a sort of comfort in channeling yourself into a team. Even one who constantly lets you down. Like, it's not my fault I feel shit. It's Leeds's. Hey, you know World Cup's going to Qatar and it, it's all a bit corrupt and that. Well, I saw this interview the other day with Sepp Blatt and the interviewer asked him, all right then, Sepp, if you're so interested in football going to the Middle East, then who's your favourite Qatar player? Sepp pauses for a bit and, hmm, favourite Qatar player? Well, uh, that would have to be a toss-up between Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton. <laughs> hey, just like that, you know, a character, the life and soul. <laughs> They had wake for Dad's funeral in here. I was 17 at the time. It was a sad day, that. But I just remember Dude being, well, being lovely. All family from Ireland were overseeing, everyone together, and that never happened usually. Everyone was telling stories of Dad, and we ended up singing Irish songs, and yeah, it was a great do. Everyone together. Well, not everyone there, obviously. Not Dad. What's the difference between an Irish wedding and an Irish funeral? One less drunk. <laughs> oh, I always love that joke. It got me and my most likes on Facebook today, that one. 113, if you're asking. It's fucking viral, that. <laughs> one less drunk. In his case, it was true and all. And yeah, I, I know what you're thinking, and yes, the apple didn't fall far from that tree. In fact, it landed pretty fucking close to the tree, did this apple. I could always give it up, though. I'm an alcoholic. Well, not a proper one. <laughs> Not like that. He were a professional, you know. He'd be like, Man City of drinkers, top draw, cream at crop. Me, I'd be more like, Spurs. <laughs> never quite on his level, but if he had a good season, I could give it a right good go. But, well, could never hit heights of dad's drinking. I'd left school by the time he passed. We're just doing what I can, you know, bits and bobs. Whatever I could get, really. Did gardening for a bit and enjoyed it, but fuck me, it starts really. 5am. <laughs> You try that after night beers, Jesus Christ. 
After that, I got some work in an office when I hit 20. A proper job, Mum called it. <laughs> she was proud that I worked in office and, well, I like that I'm very proud. I managed it for a couple of years, but, yeah, I don't know anybody does that their whole life. Nine to five, pfft, they must have some I don't. Don't get me wrong, worked with some great people and we had some good nights out and that, but just sort of, I don't know, just sort of traps you, doesn't it? I, I felt it trapping me. I think that's when Cloud first started to appear. Yeah. Didn't really realise it at the time. But looking back, that's when Cloud first started to creep up on me. I just get a bit, you know, anxious-like. More than normal. I try not to think about it too much, though. I'd always know when it was at its worst. As when anxiety would go, I'd just feel nothing. Just be fucking drifting through life. I spend my evenings in pub or scrolling endlessly on Facebook or watching porn just to feel something, I guess. And I fucking hate Facebook and porn. Both fucking imitations of reality, aren't they? Or of real connection, of real sex. But it's like they had hold over me. Like it were all a mic. Sometimes, when I just couldn't fucking deal with this anymore, I'd climb up to the bedroom window and go to the spot roof at flat. We were on top floor, see. Mum used to go ballistic when I went up there. It's too dangerous up there, Jim. You'll give me heart attack, you. I never listen, mind. Just used to climb up with a can of beer when I was stressed and just sit out and look at Leeds. Just look out. Sometimes, even though it was a city, on a clear night, you could see stars. I loved it when you could see stars. And yeah, you just sit there and things would be all right sometimes. Things wouldn't matter anymore. That clouded retreat, just that little bit, you know. Dad's deaf at mum pretty hard. She tried not to show it too much, though. Poor old mum. Well, like that, me and mum. My best mate, always. Such a wonderful person, you know. Had such a hard life, but still had so much to give people. She worked as a care worker, mum. She worked fucking tirelessly as well. Never really knew how to stop. Only, if it, only other thing she ever lost herself in were a drawing. She used to show me some from when she was younger. Beautiful landscapes. Portraits of some of her family, but she never really did it much as she got older. Life had been so fucking tough on her, she never really knew how to enjoy it. We used to have a laugh together, but I always got sensed that she felt bad when she were happy. Like she were guilty for it or something. And yeah, well, that cloud started to come on a bit more. Instead of points throughout week, during that year, I'd wake up and it'd just be there. Like a weight, just, just hanging round, you know? And well, I think that's the first time I ever thought, well, I don't want to be here. A whole year of struggling. Nothing exciting me, you know? It was like I was a zombie or something. Mum was always on at me, trying to help, I guess, but... The only other time I felt out oh, well, being in the pub or down at 40. Then one day we were in the pub and this Greek lad I used to know from school comes in. First time I'd seen him in years. He tells me he'd been cooking at a stall down at market. And before I start, it's before all the mipsters got involved in it, all right? It's before them, right. Anyway, me and him got chatting, right? And next thing I know, he's offering me a job with him. <laughs> See, cooking is always something that's all I've always loved, you know? I don't know why, but it just always grabbed me. I remember when I was a kid, Dad used to take us down at market and I just used to go off and explore all food stalls. In between all shite burger vans and fried chicken places, you get this little gem now and again. Like some proper punchy jerk chicken or, or this Lebanese bloke who did this gorgeous chicken shawarma. 
Oh, and this Indian lad, man, this masala, what his grandma taught him, oh, I loved it. Dad didn't. More of a meat and potato man, you know. I'd always try and recreate some of them. Mum appreciated it. I always found cooking quite therapeutic, you know, like having a beer, putting some music on, just, just cooking. So as you can imagine, I bloody love food stall. What a buzz, you know, cooking at a few markets, making proper food. All Greek stuff his family had taught him, you know, chatting to people all day, having a laugh. All right, mate, what can I get you? Morning, Mary, how's your mum getting on? You all right, what are you having? Two loomy and one pork, coming up. Hey, look, Frank, I'm not talking about football this week, all right? A Greek salad, yeah? You won't find a feta one anywhere else. <laughs> all right, John, John, I'll catch you for a pint later, yeah? Sound. Two more sublackies? No problem at all, mate. Oh, best rap in Leeds Market, that. Hashtag food, hashtag food porn. <laughs> Something to be said for just standing, chatting to people all day, you know? Not slumped at some desk behind the screen. Just feels more, more real. I wanted to set my own up, but never got round to it. Yeah, it was going to be called Fat Cunt. <laughs> uh, no, it was spelled PH Fat, you know, I want offensive at all. God, my first few months of working there, it was such a great time, such a laugh, you know. Kept that cloud at bay a bit, you know. It's also when I met Sarah. I'd seen her wonder by a few times through market, looking at fabric and that. She never looked over, but whenever I saw her, I'd just get a little rush. Then one day, on a fairly quiet shift, she just wandered over and ordered a hello my wrap. Said she had to go pick some up and be back in five minutes. Oh. So there I was right. Wrap almost made. The most perfect wrap so far. Though a bit like disarming a bomb, you know, how that nervous. Anyway, I can see her coming from top at market. And I think I've got to look cool here. So I begin tossing this chilli sauce bottle up and down. Why I've decided to do that, I'll never know. <laughs> she comes over looking absolutely beautiful but but like she don't even know it or really care about it and anyway our eyes meet i look at her she looks at me and i say what salads and sauces can you get me fucking idiot she looked confused i dropped chili sauce I, I, I mean, what, what salads and sauces can I get you? Uh, what do you want with your wrap? You can get salad or, or sauces? She just looked at me, gave me this cheeky little smile and said, I'll have some napalm chilli death sauce and some pickles. <laughs> it was like some out of fucking Shakespeare. Or at least it felt like it. <laughs> I never really believed in love before then. I mean, I'd heard about it, but I just thought it was bollocks. It's not bollocks. It's real. And it's a lot shitter than they tell you it is. It's got a fucking good marketing team, that love, hasn't it? Honestly, no one ever told me it's small print. Side effects might include anxiety, crippling self-doubt, losing interest in everything else in life, feeling sick all the time, getting pissed to not feel sick all the fucking time, scrolling endlessly through their old Facebook posts, looking up exes, feeling inadequate, sending messages at 4am that at 4pm seem like a bad decision. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Worst thing that ever happened to me. But, well, it would also be the best thing that ever happened to me. See, when I was there, I was just happy. Like, like happiness I hadn't known. Such a lovely, warm happiness. That clouded retreat for a bit, you know? Though I had my worries when I were alone, when we were together, we'd just laugh and talk, and it just felt right. We were right. 
She was so beautiful. Kind. Smart. She'd been at university. <laughs> I'd always say I graduated from university of life, you know. But she'd say it would probably be the Desmond. <laughs> no, too, too. <laughs> Mum still did me washing a lot. <laughs> she was so caring as well. She always knew when to pick me up. It was like she was fucking dead and brown or something. I could be having a terrible day at work and I'd get a message from her to meet me. And she'd take me out for some dinner or something. Or, or she'd come watch Leeds with me at pub when there'd be no one else around. And she fucking hated football. She could never understand why I put myself through something that caused me so much pain. I were always shit at that gesture stuff. But I remember for her birthday, I wanted it to be special. I was stressing so much. The would flowers, the would chocolate, the would Tupperware. Oh, she loved Tupperware. The expensive kind. I'm not the Indian takeaway bollocks. I'm talking like a vacuum sealed glass ones, you know. She was a bit of a Tupperware snob, if you ask me. But anyway, no, I could think of her, right? Then I remembered. She loved horror. So I thought, on her birthday, I'll dress up like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween and just, I'll just burst out and take her to movies, you know? <laughs> but mum's face when I told her that would all feedback and I did. <laughs> then mum mentioned, seeing as she loved everything to do with vampires, why don't I take her to Whitby? Because that's where Bloco wrote Dracula would inspired or something, I don't know. <laughs> so I did. Sarah was blown away. I kept it all a secret. Even what stop we'd get off. I, and I booked one of them Dracula tours through centre and everything. Oh, I'll never forget her face. I mean, she knew mum had a bit of input in it and all. And after all that vampire stuff, I was scared shitless. I didn't sleep for about three weeks. Yeah. She was perfect. Best person I ever met. Well, along with mum. And we, we were great together. She made me feel like everything was going to be all right. Like I were all right. I weren't all right. After the first 10 months to a year of being together, that cloud started to come back. And the thing which bothered me most, but I just didn't know why. If I had to do anything, or if I meet Sarah, I'd have a few beers first, you know, give me a bit of a buzz, keep it at bay, you know? <laughs> It'd always work. Could always hide it fairly well. But the next day when, when beers were gone, and people were gone, it'd just come back. Bigger. Darker. I kept telling myself to just pull myself together, that I'd go and I sorted everything out, but I just didn't know what it was I needed to sort. And even though she always tried to help, and asked me questions and stuff, I just didn't want to talk. It was like I had a mental block or something, I just didn't want to talk to anyone. She would only want to come full. She could always sense when someone were up, you know. And we, we were always good together, but I just began to feel a bit numb to it all. We were together for a couple of years, but, well, just being in a relationship just seemed to weigh on me. And, and I just stopped putting any energy into it, really, and she didn't deserve that. It began to fade away, and she tried, but, well, I wouldn't. I just knew it'd end, you know. And part of me, though I loved her so much, kind of wanted it to. don't know why. I think some part of me just felt it easier to let it end. And one day, I just told her I couldn't do it anymore. I remember feeling nothing telling her that. Said I just needed to sort myself out and that I just couldn't do it. That was probably most honest I with her the whole of that last year. And she was amazing, you know. And just after I told her, that numbness I felt would just overcome with this wave of pain, like a dam had broke. And for the first time in years, 
I were holding back tears. I could tell instantly how much it hurt her. And she went to go fight for it, but I could see her stop herself. She just asked me if I was just doing this for me, for my head, you know. And I said, what? She took it as truth. And she, she put her feelings to one side. For me. She did that for me. Sarah really loved me. And I really loved her. But I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I kept it all from her. Don't really make sense. In fact, it's fucking stupid, really, but I didn't tell her anything. I found out a few months later that she met someone new. Some intellectual bloke did something with a paper or something. Cunt. I wish I could have made that work. I'd give anything to have made that work. It's what matters at the end of the day, innit? Despite all shit, that's what matters. I played it down to my mates and everyone, you know? No one can tie me down anyway, lads. Not old Jim. And there were other girls now and then. But not more her. You ever think that you're just not meant for the world? That it's not meant for you? That whatever you are in here, or here, or whatever, you ever think you can just be a mismatch? Like a square peg in a round hole? Yeah, I thought that. Just not built for the world. Whatever it was. Cloud started to come back more regularly, you know. And I stopped working at stall as much. Just used to feel this, this crippling numbness. Could just about get through day to day. Especially with help, you know. How you doing, Jim? You alright, Jim? How you doing, mate? How's things, Jim? Alright, Jim. How's things, pal? Alright, mate. Long time. How you getting on? Jimmy boy. How's things, lad? Alright, Jim. How you doing? You alright, Jim? You alright, Jim? You alright, Jim? You alright, Jim? Are you alright, Jim? It used to hurt so much, that question. Like a dagger every time I heard it. I weren't fucking alright, but... Can't really be honest with that question, can you? Not that public, lads. Sometimes I wanted to, to talk, you know. I even tried a couple of times, but well. People always got a bit uncomfortable when I'd try and mention stuff, like they didn't know how to react. I'd say we're doing too well or whatever, and all right, Jim, just, uh, chin up, mate, you'll be all right, yeah. Things will pick up, mate. Watching game, yeah? I'll I get another round in, mate, yeah? I went to the doctors. Well, I didn't really know what else to do. But when I got there, I just... Well, do you know how you always feel better when you get to doctors? Always happens. Well, unless you've lost a leg or something. But when I got there, I just felt a bit stupid. Like, like I weren't really that ill. I told him a little bit like, but not much. He mentioned a few things, you know, watch out for stress, stuff like that, but I just played it down. And one day, it, well... It all just came to an head. I don't know why. It was nothing different about that day. It was a day like any other, you know. I woke in stall and it just hit me, you know. Push. This huge wave. I just fucking burst into tears right there in front of customers. And I never fucking cried. I just ran off and left stall empty. 
I don't think anyone I knew really saw it. If they did, they didn't say anything. I made some bullshit excuse up to me, mate, next day, you know. You weren't happy. I went to the pub and sank about ten pints, you know. I was a bit of stress, no major. But it was fucking major. I still found where to put front on, though, you know. Have a few beers when I met people. Still be a laugh. Here. Here's one. I were in HMV over there, right? And I asked bloke there, have you got anything by the doors? And he says, yeah. CCTV and the Bowser's not even try it. Yeah. Jim of old block, right? <laughs> Can always make them laugh. But when I were on my own, laughing stopped. And well, it seemed like it's how I felt. It seemed like it never changed. That this feeling had never lived, that this, this cloud had never passed and I just wanted it all to stop and I just felt so alone, just so alone. <sighs> Blood walking his dog in the morning found me. Been dead for six hours there, come back time he came along. I still feel bad about what that's done to him, you know? And to... Mum had moved out by then, but I went back to old house and climbed up to this spawn roof where I used to go. Had about six beers and half a bottle of whiskey down me. Weren't any stars out that night, I remember. I just stood there for a while and looked out at it all and... just jumped off. It wasn't a drunker decision. I knew well what I was doing, I, I just needed Dutch courage. Just jumped off. Anyways, I better be off. <laughs> I don't like spending too long in here, you know. Brings back so many memories. Just like my dad. That's what they said at my funeral. Always the life and soul. Thanks for listening to that, guys. Uh, as you will probably agree, um, pretty touching, touching monologue there, Life and Soul. That was originally wrote by Chris O'Connor and performed by Tom Swift. And there is a sort of, I guess you say, an extended version, Chris, uh, of that, and that's called The Parting Glass. Uh, so you can see a different version of that, an updated version. With two um, characters. With two characters. Uh, so that's also offering the the girlfriend's perspective as well, yeah, as you will have heard well. in, in The Life and Soul. And if you're interested in going to see that and seeing Tom perform yeah. that, that will be uh, on this, there's a date on the 11th of October uh, at TCV Hollywood Convention. There's one at Inkwell Arts Leeds, 15th of October. There's Hunslet Rugby League Football Club, 18th of October and Queen's Mill in Castleford at 7pm and 19th of October. So those are the dates coming up um, within the vicinity of when we're putting this podcast out, but we are we are hoping for some dates next year as well to yeah, continue. Yeah, and yeah, it should be a national tour. So, yeah. yeah, if you want to see the other side of the story, um, or if you like that and know anyone who'd be interested, come along and see it. Yeah, and it sets off, I guess, what, what we're going to do is just a bit of a chat around the performance and, and I guess the feelings and feedback that, that we get as, as individuals watching it, but also it continues in the same continues in the same vein as what happens after the performance, because there's a panel Q&A, people and the audience can ask questions and, and sort of 
create a bit of a discussion around mental health and, and, and Jim's story, I guess. And yeah. So we have got something that's, that's brilliant, I think. Uh, it hurts me to say this, pains me to say this, but Chris, you've done a grand job, mate. Don't hurt me to say this, Tom. Awesome job at performing <laughs> it, pal. And, um, yeah, great stuff. I think, I think we'll hand it over to you, Chris, in, in terms of the inspiration behind it. Uh, and, and, and why did you want to put this out there? And, and you know, what, what do you feel like the feedback has been as well after, after putting it out there too? Yes, I first wrote it um, about four or five years ago now. It was a monologue and there was a call out in BBC Writers Room um, from a company called Little Pieces of Gold for stories about unheard voices. And this is kind of before a lot of the press around uh, the male mental health crisis and suicide rates was, mm. was in, the, um, well, in the press because it's big now, um, which is a good thing. Um, but it was a kind of an unheard voice for me back then. So I entered it into competition and the monologue, um, it was selected and uh, was performed. And then I took it uh, back to Leeds and uh, showed it to Red Ladder and they really liked it and uh, put an extended version of it on, which was around half an hour, which is what you've just listened to. Um, and we've toured that around for the past three, four years, Northern Ireland, um, England, in like working men's clubs, schools. Um, and now they commissioned me to extend it to write the part in glass so we have another perspective of the story um, and Tom's been performing that at the moment and we've been bringing it out to um, again working men's clubs schools yeah. um, pubs uh, community centres and yeah we're hoping to do a more national tour as well next year so yeah the inspiration was basically at the time I didn't think that that story has been told that much about um, male mental health and in particular not the bloke who doesn't want to leave the house and is a bit, you know, recluse, maybe has more of the obvious signs of depression, which we can all kind of spot. It's the bloke who, like the title of the play, is the life and soul of the party. And uh, his way of dealing with his pain is maybe by going out too much, drinking a bit too much. Um, I thought that that side wasn't talked about too much, especially amongst a group of lads, because, you know, we've all got mates and we've all probably got mates who drink a bit too much and they're kind of the butt of the jokes and it's almost like encouraged a bit. Where sometimes I find like if they're always staying out for another drink or they might be running away from something. So I think it was good to get that perspective out there. Yeah, and just touching briefly on the context behind these venues that, that we've just listed then, that's not in like a traditional theatre setting, is it? That, well, as no, you mentioned, no. that can be pubs, that can be clubs, it can be um, you know, different venues. And, and do you think that adds a, bit, adds a bit more to the story? Like, obviously, it's a monologue, it's, 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 it's Jim basically stood, stood with a pint. Um, do you think that adds a bit to it and, and do you think that, that it's more accessible for people that might want to go see theatre? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, the parting glass as well now, it's, it's a duologue, but w one of the best nights was probably Gibson Working Men's Club. Definitely. We had about, what, 120 in Tom, do you Yeah, yeah, easily. Um, and it was just a really, really good reaction. I mean, right. you know, a few tears at the end and the, the play's nice. not aimed to, to make people <clears throat> upset. Like, hopefully they're kind of more cathartic tears and that's why we always have a Q&A after the mental health professional mm -hmm. um, we have places to signpost people and we have some really good discussions and there's been some amazing people opening up and saying things and how the play might have helped them uh, reach out um, I haven't actually been at all the recent ones but Tom you have so what kind of stuff have you picked up from uh, some of the Q&As after or the response has been incredible um, people have really opened up like um, we had a squad in and uh, after one of the shows, I saw him at the bar before the Q&A and he says uh, he's a local and he didn't really know what the play was about and he just, it was in there anyway and just came to watch it. Um, and he's, he, he opened up a bit to me, he says, I've been there, I've been right to that end. 
Um, I said, so I said, well, stay for Q and A. I said, you don't have to talk. Just you might get a bit from it, you know, anything. So he says, oh, I might do, I might do. I says, you can leave whenever you want. Um, and within ten minutes of Q and A, he put his hand up and just told us his story, and he broke down. Um, and he was bawling, and they said the only thing that saved him was he was too heavy for the rope. Oh. And that just got everyone, and um, and afterwards, Joe, the mental health professional that was with us, had a word with him and put him onto the right people and give him some numbers and stuff, so he'll definitely be receiving the help he needs. Trust him, come to see it. Yeah, we've had Joe on the pod before, actually, and it's amazing having him there because he can do a bit more aftercare yeah. and he's followed up with people. and. Yeah, things like that put it in perspective, and it's why I wrote it to reach people like that. So bringing it out to those venues, back to your question, Steve, wow. is, is yeah. super important. Um, and yeah, we had Dan Rowe, who's a Mantality Club member, mm. and he runs uh, one of the Manchester branches of Andy's Man Club. Yeah, yeah. So facilitates that, yeah. He came along and saw it and had a lot to say as well in the Q&A. Um, so hopefully we might be linking up with them and, and doing a performance for them as well. So yeah, yeah. it's just... Uh, I don't know, I guess it's just kind of normalising it, which is what all these things are doing, what Mentality does, Andy's Man Club, is just letting people know everyone can get there. And yeah, yeah I, think, I, I think that's, that is incredible, that, you know, that's, that's amazing, that someone can, can find it accessible to go see something like that, but then that sort of delivery through Joe Faulkner being there and, mm. and, and the ability to actually address something within yourself, maybe, um, it makes it all the more accessible and... Mental health's becoming more and more normalised, and mental health's always always been there. But I think it's getting easier and easier to approach it with yourself too. Which yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, big raps to you for, for putting this out there and and progressing it with the parting glass, which I think's even better. Like I must say, even better. I think, and um, I think it touches everyone. You know, whether whether you are a male or you're a mother or um, from from any walk of life, I think it, it can it can touch you and, and, and can sort of have an effect on you too. Um, so big raps to you, um, and I think is it worth anything else? You know, and any other messages that, that that you think's worth saying? Um, I guess one of the inspirations behind the Sarah character, um, which I think is worth mentioning, is that the initial monologue, which again you'd have just heard if you're listening to this, doesn't really touch on uh, maybe the people who are around the sufferer. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've got a very close mate who lost his brother. Um, to suicide about a year and a half, two years ago. And uh, I know how good of a brother he was and how uh, good of a person he is. Um, speaking to him after, you know, the natural emotions of kind of, well, some guilt, I guess, come up and it's completely normal, but I knew how good he was for his brother and I kind of, writing Sarah is, is some way of saying to kind of take the burden off some of the people left behind, that you can still be a really good person and it doesn't mean you can save everyone because there's so many different factors at play. Mm. Societal factors. Um, Jim could have done stuff more. There's loads of moments in Jim's um, story where things could have been different. And the main one for me is there's one bit where he says to his mates in the pub, um, he wasn't feeling too good and they don't know how to deal with it. I think that's kind of the key bit. It's like us as blokes should be better at, if one of our mates is struggling, or if we can see he's struggling and, and he's not really letting on, we should be more proactive and being like, you know what, let's not go for a pint tonight, let's, uh, let's go for a walk in the park or go walk the dog or why don't we go to the cinema and have a meal and just have a chat with him and just see how things are going on because I don't think we do that enough yet. I think it's getting better. And you think that, that panel Q&A at the end might sort of serve that like proactive measures yeah. that, that people can implement themselves? Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, if anyone has any questions for 
their leading mental health professional. We've got one right there in the flesh. So, mm. you know, he sticks around after as well. So he's, yeah, obviously raises the issues and then hopefully we can signpost people after and get conversations going. And maybe some people go home and go, you know what, I'm going to check on Dan or check on Jake or whoever it is. And yeah. Yeah, and 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 acting it on as well. Is is there anything that you relate with in in the you know the sort of it might even be the sort of drinking side of it. It might be going to football. You know, is there anything that you could really sort of feel when you were acting it and, and sort oh, of yeah. relate to? Yeah. I think we've all been blokes. You've all been to that point where you have had a bout of drinking too much or going out a bit too much, and or at least you've seen friends do it. So mm. there's always there is definitely something in everyone that you can see. The character totally, um, but trying, but I never really wanted to to play on past emotions of myself or past mental health problems of myself to get into the character because I knew that would just not be right for my own mental health. Yeah. So it's it's just totally just been winging it and acting. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Because yeah. this is your first first. Yeah, this is my first. Yeah, it's worth saying story. a bit about your story. <laughs> you did a plaster from East Leeds, right? I'm a plaster, kind of yeah, yeah. Had a bit of a dream Still working. Giving, yeah, well, put your number out there if anyone needs it. <laughs> no, no, I'm too, yeah. I'm too busy at the moment. But no, you, you had a dream of being an actor and did some community acting. With yeah, West Lando. I've always, um, I've always found it cool just watching acting, you know, theatre, screen, whatever. And I've always thought I could do that, mm. but I just never, never a ball. Mm. to just go attempt it and then I saw Red Ladder had an open audition through, and I saw it through Rhino's uh, Facebook page because oh. Jamie Jones Buchanan was in it yeah this is and Leeds Leeds, 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 Leeds from three years ago and uh, I thought oh maybe go do that yeah and then I thought nah fuck that um, and uh, I was still like nah um, and the girl that was at the time was pushing me towards it and then I noticed that Red Ladder do a a free eight week programme called Red Grit yeah. It's one evening a week for eight weeks, um, so I thought I'll go do that, and if I enjoy it, then I'll my audition. And within ten minutes of doing it and meeting Rod, the director and stuff, I was just like, I'm in. I love this. Yeah. So I auditioned and got in, and that was three years ago. And I've been doing community ensemble work for Red Ladder and the Playhouse and stuff. Not really any lines, or just being like an extra on stage, but getting used to being on stage and getting that confidence of just standing in front of people has been amazing and watching the professional actors I've just learned from them really and then um, Rod crazily offered me this opportunity to do Life and Soul at first and move on to the part of glass which I'm totally blown away with doing and I feel very humbled to be part of the thing and especially to do it for your amazing writing Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's great to have you on board like it, it just there's been three gyms now, um, and each time it's just really amazing to see how someone brings their own thing to gym. And yeah, yeah, it's been really, really cool to see. Because I think I saw your second ever Life and Soul. I don't think you let me come and see the first one. No, yeah, that was a terrible. There's a dress rehearsal, <laughs> and like yeah. I, I skipped out two whole chunks. I missed out loads of words. My dad walked in halfway through, <laughs> like from behind me. It was in. <laughs> Did he get the wrong time or something? Yeah. <laughs> and I could hear him say, he said he would have passed. I'm like, I fucking didn't say that. He said he would have passed. I'm like, fuck, didn't say that. He just talked me through me. Yeah, that's annoying. I'm like, oh, God. So, <laughs> my actual debut, when you came to see it, gee, I was outside, like, shaking like a leaf. I was looking at my van and I was going. I was like, I'm not doing this. Is that the one I came to? You came to? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I can't do this. And the bloke comes out. The bloke comes out and he's like, 10 minutes, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like five minutes, I'm like, yeah, yeah. How close were you, like, on the zero to 100% to just legging it? I was like, I was 
I was 95% going. I spoke to my girlfriend and she's like, do not do it. <laughs> yeah. If you do it, you'll regret it the rest of your life. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, because you didn't seem nervous at all. God, like. mate. Yeah. I was just winging it, man. Yeah, yeah so I had the jacket on, but got patent in hand. I saw the lights go off and I just went, oh, I just started walking into the room and I'm like, oh, I'm fucking here now. <laughs> It's that a good job you did, you know, because if you didn't, I reckon Steve would have been going. That could have been my chance. Steve would have gone. Sorry, You got the script, I'll... Just come on, I'll get it. I've seen it a few times. Get me on. I'm, I'm sure go. Chris can write something new. Yeah, no. I know. I keep waiting for that. Uh, yeah, no, we'll... Um, we have tried to do something, haven't we, recently? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. We, that could still happen before the end of the year, so... We'll see. Getting used to, mate. It's on the goal, isn't it? Yeah, watch this, mate. On the goals. It'd be good. It was good fun, actually, doing it with Foxy. Foxy had to... Had some gig with BB BB BBD BBZ or something. Yeah, I don't know. Something yeah. Happy more important. <laughs> yeah. Than performing with me in a pub. Yeah. So, or he's his loss. His loss. Probably not listening. So. No. <laughs> he's a plaster as well. But if you want a plaster, yeah. go to Tom. Yeah. I'm too busy. Is that like the apprenticeship? Is that the apprenticeship? No. You have to do or. I've, I've, I've never met Foxy. Everyone's mentioned his name so much. Ah, he's a really good guy. Yeah, we're pretty in touch with him. He definitely should, uh, should meet him. Should probably have like a an acting sort of <laughs> like podcast you know, on me, Tom Foxy and that. Yeah, I don't know. You're not blasted though. <laughs> yeah, well, I can learn that as well. Uh, I'm not sure there's much need for that. Uh, all right, well, next time, eh? But I guess. That's that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. so um, we hope you enjoyed that. A bit of an experiment for us. Um, we just, just thought about it one day. It might be cool to do something a bit different. Mm. We've, um, we've wanted to get it on for a while. We wanted to get the sort of... I think it's worked perfectly because it gives you a bit of a taste there mm. for the monologue version. And then the next the next step up is, is the pine glass, which is touring right now. And we'll, there'll be more dates next year too. So keep it in mind. Have a look out uh, for the dates that you can get to. And um, it is a really, really big night and, and something that, that I think is worth making a bit of an event with, with your family and friends and, and going along to and, and experiencing it because it certainly is one of the best bits of theatre I've seen just from acting sort of, you know, points of view. And um, so good job, fellas. Um, and we will put the dates on the bio and description of the podcast. Give us a rating if you enjoyed it, mention it and share the Red Ladder uh, Theatre Productions um, and, and get people along to it. Go. Cool. Peace.